Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, you are the leaders of the new revolution. And today we're going to talk about the immune system. And think of this, your immune system. Now, we've talked about the germ theory. We've talked about a number of different things because in the insane world that that most of us are living in, and it's not a virus, it's really the viral response that's really devastating our economy and wiping out our population. So if we were to actually look at um, what a virus is, what an immune system is, then you wouldn't be afraid to walk around with your nose uncovered. And here's a quote from Margaret Atwood. Quote, stupidity is the same as evil if you judge by the results. <laughs> I'll go with that one. Okay, so now let's go back. Okay, there was a really cool article published out of the Public Health um, Rep, 2010. And it was about the state of science and microbiology um, about 1918. And now this is the one pandemic that everybody's been trying to keep you afraid of uh, that happened in 1918 that wiped out between 10 and 500 million people. The records are not clear, okay? Uh, just like now, when you're looking at 200,000 deaths reported by the CDC, uh, then they came out a couple of weeks ago that 94% of those did not die of the virus. They died of comorbid conditions that the virus may have been a triggering factor, but they already they were going to die, but they happened to die with a positive COVID test. So, so you could see if modern day in 2020 we're having problems understanding dying from a virus or dying with a virus, and then with the hospitals empty, um, there's not over flooding of of any disease by any imagination, but the economy is still shut down, businesses are failing, and they're printing money like water. So you might you might think, wow, when are they going to decide if this virus is in check and we could go back to normal? Well, I'll tell you, politicians do not like giving up their power. They really don't. Um, you know, if and and people are acquiescing to a different aspect of life. Like right now, you're familiar with not seeing things on the shelves. Uh, if you see someone walking around with a mask, you're not raising your hands thinking they're robbing you. They're probably um, uh, somebody that is being a good person and they're following the orders. Uh, so let's look at the actual studies. So now back in 1918, and I love this article. Imagine this, because right now, you have children that are completely not at risk of this disease walking around with a mask, afraid to hug each other and afraid to go to school. Now, that's in this country mainly. In other countries, we just had a patient move to Finland because they wanted their child in a regular school. They felt that it would be mentally damaging to them to be in an American school system where they can't hug, can't have recess, can't play, and have to be separate. You know, so I'm, I'm in full agreement with that. Well, let's look back to 1918. They wanted to see how a virus spread. And this is the one that all the uh, supposed health talking heads, because they can't call them experts, because these guys are virtual idiots. Uh, they're not looking at the immune system. Um, they took 100 healthy volunteers in 1918. Now, these are 100 guys from the Navy. Now, I know what you're thinking, 1918, holy moly, they were eating nothing but organic and whole food. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so 100 people. 
So they went in and listen to this. They had isolated a bacillus that they thought was a, a contributing factor, even though it was found in only 55% of the dead people. Um, so what they did is they rubbed it. They tried to get these people sick. So they rubbed it in their noses, in their throats, and in their eyes. And when that failed to produce a disease, they had these people that are really sick coughing and spitting up sputum. So they put the sputum in their nose, in their back of their throat, in their eyes. And they still couldn't get them sick. And there's 100 people. Then, quote, next, some of the volunteers received injections of blood from influenza patients. You're right. That still didn't get them sick. And finally, 13 of the volunteers were taken into an influenza ward and exposed to 10 patients each. So that's 130 patients total. Each volunteer was to shake hands with each patient, talk to him at close range, and permit the sick person to cough directly into his face. And yes, they still couldn't get sick. Um, and, and you might be thinking, well, well that, that was different. No. This is how flu viruses and bacteria and stuff are transferred. Um, and now, there are also a couple of hypotheses. See, at the time, there was a big panic. And so they had a rush to produce these vaccines. And I mean rush. They, they had one story in this article about it took one week to go from testing to market. And, and I know it takes like five, six years sometimes, but no, no, these guys talk about warp speed. One week, bam, you're there. And so they're spreading this vaccine everywhere. And you might be considering, wow, um, since the vaccine is unproven and untested, um, is that safe to put forth on the public? Well, I, you know, we know the death rates increased dramatically. Whether that was part of the problem, it's unknown. We do know that salicylates or aspirin therapy um, was used extensively, and this caused a huge amount of internal organ damage, bleeding, and they would give just aspirin after aspirin to reduce the fever, even though the febrile response is important. Kind of like the way we were utilizing ventilators. You know, you got to get ventilators in there, except, you know, 90% of the people put on the ventilators died. And it turned out that it was very, very dangerous to put people in ventilators. So, you know, different technology, but still the same stupid. So when we look at this, let's look at the immune system. And, and is your immune system capable of adapting? Absolutely. Now, you have an immune system that is amazing. But now, our diseases, let's just pick a couple of groups. Is high blood pressure, autoimmune, type 2 diabetes, arthritis, bowel disorders, and dementia, are those diseases? Or are they adaptations to a, a toxic and stressed environment? Well, if we look at the immune system, and these are guys, doctors today. This is a quote from 2011. Dr. Gary Fathom, this guy knows his stuff. Professor of Immunology, Rheumatology, Director of Immunology of Transplant and Infection. Quote, if someone were to ask me how my immune system is doing today, I would have no idea on how to answer that, and I'm an immunologist. None of us can answer that. Right now, we're still doing the same tests I did when I was a medical student in the late 60s. Uh, and he says, anything can perturb it. Anything might affect the system. A vaccine, a disease, a drug can tell you something. Uh, Dr. Mark Davis, chair of Stanford University School, this is again in 2011, uh, the immune system, it's staggeringly complex, 15 different cells, different molecules spewed into the blood, communicating with one another to do battle. 
that's an awful lot of moving parts, and we don't know really what the vast majority of them do or should be doing. And, and so when you look at that, that kind of makes sense that there would be um, an unusual challenge. So you have immunologists looking at how the body adapts. See, they're working on a, on a model of germs causing disease. It's called the germ theory. Now, we're going to get into that. We've done a couple of talks on it, but just, just look at the basic common sense. And I've had a couple of discussions with some docs. Now, let's say we have 10 people walking into a swamp, and they're all 10 get bitten by mosquitoes containing malaria. Do all of them get the, the malaria? No, they don't. Okay, because there's an immune system, this mystical thing. Now, that mystical thing, that immune system, physical, chemical, and emotional stress going on. And we, we still have a the, the biggest virus going on today is not COVID-19, it's ignorance. I have this one article updated uh, September 22nd, and it goes through th uh, 37 different colleges in America. And we're talking Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Ohio State, I mean, big ones. Okay, and the total number of students, around 48,000 students, and they have two people in uh, a hospital for COVID out of 48,000. Now, one of the people actually had multi-inflammatory syndrome, and another one, um, they, they advertised it has a surge of cases uh, in... Well, cases, there's a difference between a positive case and a person with an illness. And knowing that the PCR test is 80% inaccurate, and that's what they're using for this. So it's, it's just foolishness. And in fact, I've got a quote here from uh, the realclearpolitics.com from uh, the great God Fauci. Um, and here's the quote. In all the history of respiratory viruses, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. An epidemic is not driven by asymptomatic carriers. Uh, okay, now that is true, and I did use my Charlton Heston voice. Um, but <laughs> if you think about it, how can you have an epidemic where you have to test people to see if they're sick? Even if you look at the people that are listed as dying from this, according to the Center for Disease Control, they say that all the numbers that you see are 94% off. That means 94% of the deaths that they're listed um, it died with COVID, not from COVID. That means this is one of the viruses that they found in their body. And the average person that died had 2.6 additional critical conditions that were really the causative factor of the death. So the numbers are a little bit different. We know that the flu shot um, that, and this is from 2020 January, um, quote, influenza vaccine and respiratory viruses among Department of Defense personnel 2017 to 2018 flu season. It turns out that if you got the vaccine, that you had an increase of other respiratory viruses. That's true. You see, a vaccine changes your immune system in a way that it can be beneficial and can be harmful. It turns out that this flu shot uh, weakened their immune system and created more harm. Now, that might be a, 
a small deal, except when you're looking at this, they had a comparison of vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And we're talking the, the three categories that the vaccinated actually weaken the immune system was non-influenza viruses, coronaviruses, and no pathogen detected, but they had a lot of people with, with the problem. And uh, they, were, they were sick, but they couldn't find the bug. So is it really, do we have to be afraid of viruses, funguses, bacteria? Do we have to be afraid of our entire environment to walk around with respirators and not touch anyone, even though we're communal beings? Or will it cause a mass psychosis? Well, 45% of your DNA in your genetic information is of viral origin. Viruses are vital for our ecosystem. And you might know that viruses attack dead tissue. Like that very first study, viruses, they tried to infect 100 healthy people by putting all sorts of viruses, bacteria, everything in their sputum up these guys' nose, in their eyes, down their throat. Nobody, nobody got sick. So it, really, where are the viruses coming from? Well, is it a virus or is it the immune system? And that's why we have to build up your immune system. We know that the germ theory, just, just hold to this, your body is self-healing and self-regulating. Actually, I had a doctor argue with me that for a minute, and I beat him up verbally. Because obviously, if you don't understand, humans have been alive on this planet for millennia, and they're self-healing and self-regulating, just like every animal species. Um, your body is always trying to attain homeostasis. That's its adaptation. Now, the germ theory is that germs cause disease. But according to The Lancet, quote, the germ theory has become dogma, but it neglects many of the other factors that play a part in deciding whether the host germ complex leads to infection such as genetic constitution, behavior, socioeconomic determinants. Absolutely. Then the British Medical Journal goes on to state that the biomedical model of illness has dominated healthcare for the past century. It can't explain many forms of illness. Okay, and <laughs> it, has, it goes on to say there's three assumptions. All illness has a single underlying cause. Welcome to COVID. Disease and pathology are always the single underlying cause. Welcome to the, the, the COVID response. Removal or attenuation of the disease will return to health. Evidence exists that all three of these assumptions are wrong. Absolutely they are. We know that even as far back as Virchow, and this, this is a guy that was developing microscopes when we first knew, you call them animalcules inside of the pond water. If I could live my life over again, I would devote it to proving that germs seek their natural habitat, disease tissue, rather than the cause of being the disease. And <laughs> flies don't cause garbage. And if, when you think of it, because again, just look at the data we have today. 94% of everybody that is listed has a death from this virus, okay, had 2.6 comorbid conditions. And that, so does that mean they had healthy tissue or they had sick tissue in it? Absolutely, sick tissue. That's why it's hard to infect a healthy person. A great article out of International Journal of Vaccines and Vaccination titled the article, Who Had Their a Finger on the Magic of Life? Antoine Beauchamp or Louis Pasteur? Um, and i got to tell you, Beauchamp talked about the terrain being important, and Pasteur talked about the germ being important. 
And uh, this article goes on. Um, uh, had the profound voice of his science, Beauchamp, not been silenced, much of humankind would have been spared much of the worst aspect of infectious or vital stresses of the 20th century. And it goes on to state, there is no medical doctrine as potentially dangerous as the partial truth implemented as the whole truth. Absolutely. Now, now, what we're going to look at, think of the health of your population. Who's around you? Okay, what, what is um, your, your life like here? Well, one in two people have cancer. One in five have an autoimmune disorder where their body is supposedly attacking itself. Heart disease, liver disease, one in 20 are depressed. One in one, uh, actually one in two seniors die with dementia. It's now going up to one in one. Okay, um, 74% have a chronic disease. And this entire system has been brought to you by the people that govern your health. That's the Center for Disease Control, the Food and Drug Administration, the National Institute of Health, Health and Human Services, and the American Medical Association. You got it. That's it. We know that since 2014, the military, or 2004, the military leader said 70% of Americans aged 17 to 24 are unfit to serve. That is mind-blowing. We know even the World Health Organization is saying the main killers of the world are cardiovascular disease, cancer, chronic respiratory diseases, diabetes. They're called non-communicable diseases, and that's 63% of all annual deaths. So now, are we doing anything to correct cardiovascular disease, cancer, respiratory disease, or diabetes? Are we addressing the sick people, the 94% of people that die from the supposed virus, um, that they have the 2.6 comorbid conditions? Are we addressing those? Is it genetics? Is it virus, bacteria, fungi, yeast, chemical imbalance, bad luck? Okay, well... Let's let's look at a couple of cases, and I'm going to bring in um, a couple of cases that that people that we see right now. Um, here's one patient, okay, 60 year old performer, dancer, singer. She's 60 years old. I mean, this gal looks 30, 40 years old. A singer, USO, but she's traveled the world. So what does that mean? Multiple different environments, multiple different vaccines. If she's with the military, she's getting them. Now, she presented with low back pain and high blood pressure for four years. Now, this is what she wanted. She wanted to get the pain gone and, uh, you know, if we could do anything with her blood pressure. Now, what we found was a reverse cervical curve, leaky gut, unstable pelvis, dental toxicities, massive thoracic rotation. And I said, wow, dear, you got heart palpitations. She said, how do you know? So, now, are those diseases or adaptations? Is the back pain a disease that you need to take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory for to balance your autonomic nervous system? Or um, it, it, that, that you take, you got pain, so you take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory even though that destroys the joint cartilage? Is that an appropriate response? Um, when you're taking a drug that lowers your blood pressure, okay, so that you can adapt? No, you find the problem and fix it. Figure, there's three stressors. You have physical stress. You have chemical stress. You have emotional stress. If you're addressing all three of those, all three of those effectively, 
then your body is going to be healthy. I know it's, it seems crazy. Wait a second. Addressing physical, chemical, and emotional stress, and it actually means that your body will work correctly? Yeah, absolutely, because when we look at this, um, we know that – here, i got this one article I'm pulling up – the automatic – there's a comprehensive physiology – Further understanding of the regulatory mechanisms linking the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and immune system is critical for understanding relationships between chronic disease and immune-associated autonomic function. Oh, my God. So we got to look at the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors that are the contributing factor to this. Why is that important? Because 2.6 people... 2.6 people, um, or the people that are dying from this, 94% have 2.6 chronic illness or conditions. That is crazy. So is the body adapting constantly? Absolutely it is. And that's the key. So when we're looking at autonomic function, that is how the body reacts and, and thrives on this. Um, now, I'm going to bring up another patient, and this patient, honest to God, if, if your heart ever went out to someone, beautiful soul, amazing, amazing heart, and trauma since she was a little kid. Started with dental toxicities and amalgam fillings, and no one addressed the physical, chemical, emotional stress. So she was taking nine different medications and has needed, she had another 11 medications. She was diagnosed with headaches, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, um, endometriosis, and Hashimoto's. Do you really think all those diseases existed, or do you think there were adaptations to stress? Well, she is getting better, but we're not addressing those diseases. Those diseases are adaptations adaptations. You address the physical, chemical, and emotional stress, and she is getting better. You've got an immune system, and you can break it down into two parts. The innate immune system, and this is inherited by your ancestors. This is um, how you've, you, you, what anything your ancestor experienced that was of value. It's encoded on the information they're going to give you when you're born. Uh, the adaptive immune system is what you're going to get when you're on this planet. Now, this is based on your physical, chemical, and emotional stress loads. And just like anybody, your immune system can handle it as long as you're not exceeding its capacities. Now, the components of the immune system are, are huge. You've got skin, you've got gastric acid, saliva, tears, intestinal bacteria, mucus. All of these things work together to protect you. Now, you might say, wow, that original study that we started this that had 100 healthy volunteers, they were rubbing this stuff on their skin and their eyes and their throat and their mucous membranes, and they couldn't get people sick. That's because uh, it has to do with how your body can handle those pathogens because 45% of your DNA is viral. I know, it sounds crazy. Uh, and then you've got inflammation, which is how the body heals. And what do the majority of people take for any kind of pain? A non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Now, that actually toxifies the blood, we, but dis, destroys proteoglycan production, so the building block of cartilage. Um, it, it's, it's an insane therapy when you know that inflammation is how the body heals. 
you have cells called macrophages. And this is what gets stimulated. They're called big eaters. They literally can kill viruses, funguses, bacteria, tumor cells. And these things are amazing because they're part of your blood. They're part of your body, your immune system. Now, these macrophages are directly connected, directly connected to the immune system. They're, and, and it seems, or to the nervous system. Since the nervous system controls and coordinates every function, obviously you've got to look at that first. Um, then you get basophil cells. Now, these guys release histamines, and they're also great against defending against parasites. So when we see somebody with pink skin and I touch them and they, it turns white, you can just about guess that that's going to be some type of in systemic inflammatory response or tissue damage. I'm going to bring up another gal. Okay, and this is a gal with ductal carcinoma in situ years ago. Now, they, they renamed this as no longer cancer, although some doctors are still removing the breast. Um, and she had a double mastectomy, hysterectomy, but still, that, do you think that that was a problem of the breast or a problem of the, a bad ovarian uterus? Or do you think it was from a toxic environmental exposure, that it was an adaptation to deficiency and toxicity? So to treat it with surgery, chemo, radiation, is, just doesn't make sense. If you look at the toxicity and deficiency, that does make sense. Look at how your body responds to the environment. Fever is fantastically good for you, okay? And fevers are self-limiting to 106. But utilize a fever. If you have somebody, say, with 104 fever, 104 fever, that means that your immune system is 64 times faster than it would be. Viruses and funguses and bacteria die at a higher temperature. So a fever is hugely important. So what we do is we tell people to work with that fever. Uh, if a person has 103 fever and they're sweating, they're trying to cool off. Um, give them a room temperature bath. If they're shivering, you build it up the fever. Mucus production literally walls off and kills invaders. Your immune system produces cells that do that. And so we're going to go into a lot of the different factors of the immune system. But the key factor is you've got to look at the physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Physical stress can be taken care of by the chiropractor. Exercise is one of the greatest things in the world. Not only does it help the brain, it helps neurogenesis or the generation of nerves, uh, neurosynaptis in the brain. It helps with everything. Um, when you're looking at walking, barefoot is going to be fantastic. Uh, sunlight, vitamin D, is incredibly important. Proper nutrition, that means omega-3s, animal fat-based ones are my favorite, the sardine, mackerel, anchovy. It's the single most important nutrient for optimal brain function. Uh, when you look at, again, the physical stress is taken care of by the chiropractor, exercises, yoga, um, jogging, any kind of movement. You move that body, you get that to communicate to the brain. Nutrients, this means fermented foods, healthy, organic, plant-based diet. Plant-based diet doesn't mean vegan. You can be vegan, but you better supplement with some B12. But I mean, majority of your diet is plants. You can eat animals, but they've got to be healthy. And when we look at other things, deep sleep is hugely important for your immune system. Now, lack of sleep increases multiple sclerosis, dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer, obesity, all of these comorbid conditions. 
So should you just learn how to sleep? Absolutely. But what kind of drugs are the people on that are dying? Uh, beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, diuretics, what do they do? They negatively affect sleep. High blood pressure drugs, over-the-counter cold medications, pain relievers, antihistamines, all of these negatively affect sleep. So sleep mastery is hugely important. Check out our sleep videos. Meditation. Heck, even Harvard, Yale, and MIT say, quote, our data suggests that meditation practice can promote cortical plasticity in adults for cognitive and emotional processing as well as well-being. No kidding. You know, that's why we talk about prayer, meditation, super important. Realize that you do not need to fight a virus. You do need to strengthen your immune system. It's that, that simple. We have to change our planet. And with the political changes coming up, uh, join the health freedom movement. We need you. Join the health freedom movement. Uh, one of the best ones is Millions Against Medical Mandates, and that's the M-A-M-M dot O-R-G, mam.org, okay, and medicalfreedompack.com. Uh, please support these guys and, and get involved. Make a difference. Uh, we cannot let the corporations take away all your freedoms and the government take away all your freedoms. You have to use knowledge to fight ignorance. Go to drjohnbergman.com site. Go to Extreme Health Academy. You'll get a couple of weeks for free. Just get this information out there. And when you see us tonight live on Facebook, share it. Because God knows how long they're going to keep us on there. When you see it on YouTube, download it. And then we're also on BitChute. But you know, their BitChute and Vimeo are also starting to censor BitChute. It's a little hard to work with. Uh, but get this information out to your friends. This is Dr. John Bergman, your voice of sanity in an insane world. God bless you, and I love you.